0: You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, November 27, 2022. For more information about Shenandoah Valley Baptist, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. We have started officially the the Advent season. So what does that mean? We're going to be looking at it over the next few weeks leading up through Christmas. We're gonna be looking at the the coming of Christ. We're gonna be looking at different parts of the Christmas story and 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 how that how that's important to us now. But we're gonna we're gonna kick this off with a with a sermon that I just entitled, How Can It Be? We're gonna look at some we're gonna be looking at Luke and Matthew, you know, the story of where Each Mary and Joseph both found out about uh, their role. Luke 1, 26 through 28 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, for you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mind you, Mary is a very young girl. We have no idea how old. We figure she was probably a, a teenager. But can you imagine? Can you imagine an angel, Gabriel, nonetheless? You know, one of what we like to call archangels, the big messenger angel, comes to you and says, "You know what? You are highly favored. God is with you." But but Mary, we see in 29 through 31. Where no word from God will ever fail. Let's stop there for a second. The messenger angel Gabriel is giving Mary some pretty pretty wild news here. She's giving, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Imagine this is a young girl; she's never been with a man, and she's going to find out. She's found out she's going to have a baby, and the, and the Elizabeth, who, who's well past her, her her baby years, is also going to be having a baby. But Gabriel says something really interesting here. He says, for for no word from God will ever fail. Do you realize that applies to this whole thing? No word from God will ever fail. It doesn't matter if it's in the beginning or at the very end where I'm coming again. No word from God will ever fail. So what he's saying is, you can bank that this is going to happen exactly the way that I'm saying it's going to happen. So, but Mary answered, may the word to me be fulfilled, and the angel left her. This shouldn't have really been a surprise to her. I've thrown these two verses at you a lot over the last couple of months, but it's important that these connections stay made. Way back in the fall, you, you, know, why, you know, why is this important? way back in the fall, right after man had messed up and God was speaking to the serpent. He was talking to Satan. In Genesis 3.15, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So what he's, what he's saying here is that the seed of the woman was going to be the one through whom the Messiah came. It had nothing to do with the man. So we see from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, that, that there, was going to be, there was going to be a virgin birth here because it, it wasn't through the seed of the man. And interestingly enough, we see that Jesus was going to be a descendant of David, and, and we, it points out that, David, or that Joseph was a descendant of David, but guess who else was? Mary. So so Mary who was also from the line of David was going to was going to give birth as a virgin. And then we see in Isaiah 7:14 he spells it I mean you can't get any more clear than this. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You know one of the cool cool messages about Christmas, is Emmanuel. What is, what is the significance of Emmanuel? What's that mean? It means a God with us. So what was so special about Jesus coming the way that he did? Not only through the, a virgin, but just the fact that he took on flesh to show us that he is with us. He wanted to show us that he was, he was more than just this cool God that did cool things like parting seas and making, putting flesh on, on the bones and, and turning armies out, out of dead bones. He's, he was way more than that. The message of Christmas, Emmanuel, is that God is with us. He's not this distant God sitting on some planet far away that's just listening for our prayers. He is a God who is with us. And He couldn't demonstrate that any more clearly by sending His Son Jesus in flesh. We know Jesus was preexistent. We saw it in John chapter 1. He was, he was, he was here before anything else was. He created all things that was ever created. We know Jesus was preexistent. But He he left that place and glory to put on flesh, to be like me and you, to show us that He is with us. He is with us. God is for you. He is not against you. He is with you. He is not some absent, abstract idea. He came in the flesh to demonstrate to you His love for you. That is the awesome message of Christmas. How could it be? That in itself, how can it be? How could God love us that much? Blows my mind. But to do it in this really interesting, cool way, through a virgin. You can say absolutely for sure by him coming in through a virgin is that this is all God. This has not, we had nothing to do with this. This was not natural. This was not just the way we come together and have babies. This was God giving us a tremendous sign that He is with us. But there's some more really cool things here. How can it be? Let's look at Joseph's story in Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Let's think about this for a second. Pledged to be married. To be to, in this culture, it was more to be pledged to be married or to the betrothed was more than what we call an engagement. An engagement, people get engaged every day. Hey, will you marry me? Yeah, and then they just. It was more than that. It was, it was almost like they were already married. There was just extra steps they had to take and they, and they couldn't come together in a sexual way yet at this point. But it was, more than, it was more than what we call simple engagement. But now, and mind you, also in this culture I and mean, through the law, what could Joseph have done to Mary when she turned out being pregnant? He could have led the charge to do what? He could have stoned her. You want to know what? I'm sure it crossed his mind. Would you believe it? If the person that you were engaged to came to you and said, oh, i got a baby, It's, it's not yours, but it's God's. Would you believe that? No. I wouldn't. I mean, you hear stuff like that in the tabloids, but it's not true. It really happened here. I wouldn't believe it. Joseph had every right to lead the charge to put her to death. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Starting to see a little bit here, why Joseph? Have you ever asked the the question, why Mary? Why, Why this young girl? Why Joseph? You no, know, we're, all, we're all talk about it here in a little bit. If I was God in my infinite wisdom, I would have, I would have sent my son to, to a king, someone that would take care of him. You know, he, he wouldn't have to have done hard work like what, what he did as a carpenter's son. He would have just grown up and had people taking care of him. That would, would, that's what I would have done. Why, Joseph? He was a carpenter. He was a blue-collar guy. Why Joseph? Because he was faithful to the law. He was faithful to the law. His heart was right. And we see here that even though by the law he could have even even led the charge of stoning her, he had to have loved Mary. It it wasn't just simply an arrangement where, where two People who care nothing about He would have had to have loved her or thought highly of her, the one that just divorced her quietly and let her go her way. This Joseph guy, he must have been a cool guy. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being Joseph? Yeah, God, God's trusting you with his son. Could you imagine Mary? You're going to have the son of God. What could have been going through their minds? How could this be? I mean, it just blows my mind to even think about it. But continuing in Matthew, but after he considered this, the quiet quiet divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine what was going through his mind? She was being serious. It's the real thing. I couldn't even begin to imagine what would be, why me? Continuing the 21 through 23, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus. What does Jesus mean? God saves. He was given the name Jesus because God wants to save his people. God is still in the business of saving people. This wasn't just back then. This just wasn't almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus saves to this very day. He's still saving. Jesus is a perfect name. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. We just looked at that. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel, he did what the angel of the Lord had, had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. He did everything he was supposed to. They didn't, they didn't consummate the the marriage. They didn't have sex before Jesus was born. Jesus was truly born of a virgin. Just like the prophet Isaiah said. Just like it was alluded to in, 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 in Genesis chapter 3, with the word that God gave Moses through the Pentateuch. How could this possibly be? You know what? This, we were going to talk about some of the lessons of the Christmas story just based on these passages, but I skipped a very important one. The first one, ignore this. The first lesson of the Christmas story is trust God's plan. Trust God's plan. Can we be honest? Have we often not trusted God's plan? I'd be lying if I said I didn't if I trusted God's plan all the time. There have been many times over the last 30 years that I've been in some type of ministry that I've thought, God, what are you doing? There have been many times over the last 30 plus years, it's like, God, what, what are you thinking? This doesn't make sense. He's put me in places and had me do things, and it's just like, God, this, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I didn't trust. I didn't. Could you? And God has never asked me to accept anything like what He did Joseph and Mary. He never asked me to to believe that this young girl was pregnant by the Holy Spirit and that she hadn't been with a man. He never asked me to to raise up the Son of God. Can you imagine that? He's never asked anything like that of me, and I've still not trusted. I've still not believed. I've often wondered, God, do you really know what you're doing? I've wondered. I was wrong. He does know what he's doing. He always knows what he's doing. His plan's always perfect. So the number one lesson in this passage is to trust God's plan because he's got it all worked out. It's already worked out what he wants to have accomplished. Trust in his plan and know that his plans are for you and not against you. His plans are to give you a hope and a future. That is God's plan for you. He's got that stuff worked out. All you've got to do is trust in him. Trust in him. Lesson number two, number one on here. Is God is the God of the impossible, of virgin birth. You realize there are churches that still don't believe that that was possible. People that say God is God, and they some still deny the virgin birth. You cannot deny the virgin birth. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. It was fulfilled through Mary. It was a done deal. It's happened. It's real a virgin birth. He is the God of impossible. Anything that you say that you can't do, he can do. Any limitation that you have in your life and in your ministry and in your life, he can knock down those barriers because he's the God of the impossible. He's the same God that can make a a, a teenage girl pregnant with a son of God. He's the same God. He's the same God that lives in your heart. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and the Holy Spirit lives in you, the same God that did this lives inside of you. The same God that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you. <coughs> Amen. Jesus said Himself in Matthew 19:26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There is nothing too hard for him. There is no mountain too high to climb, no sea that's too deep to swim. There is no anything that God can't do. God is the God of the impossible. He's the God that wants to do an impossible thing in your life. He's he's the God that wants to just take you where you are and move you to a place that you have never imagined was possible because he wants to give you far more than, than what you ever could have imagined. God loves you that much. It's the same God that sent his Jesus to die on the cross so that you could be with him. It's that same God. It's the God of the impossible. Well, you know what? Another lesson. God doesn't care where you came from. Philip, Philip found Nathaniel. John 1, 45 through 46. It's actually real funny. If you watch the shows and they do this scene very well. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. How did Nathanael respond? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, and Philip said, Come and see. Could anything good come from Nazareth? That was a thing. You know, nobody thought anything good could come from Nazareth. It was like off the grid. It wasn't a cool place like Jerusalem with a, with a beautiful temple and Pharisees all over the place telling you what you should and what you shouldn't do. It wasn't any of this. It's like off the grid. Could anything good come from Nazareth? God doesn't care where you came from. He doesn't care what side of the tracks you were born on. He doesn't care what city you lived in, what family you came from. He loves you just the same. And he's not bound by your past. He's not bound by where you come from. God is the God of the impossible. He doesn't care where you're from. He just wants you. He wants your heart. That's a message of Christmas. He doesn't care what you do. Again, he cares about your heart. What do we know about Joseph? We've read this. This is stuff we've read. Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. That's what God cared about. The thing that made Joseph what caught God's attention is that he was faithful to the law. His heart was right. He did what he was supposed to. When we read about Mary and Luke, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. He did not care that Joseph was a carpenter. He didn't care. He just didn't care. What he cared about was the heart. What he cared about was Joseph's faithfulness. He didn't care that Mary was just some, some young girl. But obviously she had a love for the Lord. There had to have been something really special about Mary to caught his attention to say this is who, this is who I want to walk with my son through his lifetime. And she did. Joseph drops off the, the grid we see after we see him in the story when Jesus was twelve and they, they lose him. You know, we see that story. Obviously he died. That's what we're assuming. But who do we see all the way to the cross? Mary. God picked Mary to, to walk with her son from birth to death. And she was one of the first people he revealed his resurrected son to. She was favored, highly favored of God, and God was with her. That is what God cares about. Another lesson following God can be hard. Do you think that Joseph and Mary would have been a disgrace in the eyes of men? Do you think anybody else bought the story, the virgin story, the pregnant virgin story? Do you think anybody else bought that story? My guess is they probably didn't. Why did Joseph and Mary stay in Bethlehem? We don't see, we don't see a, 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 you know, it in black and white specifically why they did, but how do we know they did? Matthew chapter 2. The visit of the Magi. First the Magi, they go to Herod, and it's like, hey, where's the the promised one? We want to worship him. So so then we find out that that, that, Herod gets his his folks together. It's like, where's this this child supposed to have been born? Well, in Bethlehem. Well, the Magi continue to follow the star. And what's it say in Matthew 2.11? They came to the house, the house, not the barn, not the stable, they came to the house. Well, how do we know that it was about two years later? The massacre of the innocents, that's what we call it. What was the massacre of the innocents? Matthew 2.16. So the Magi, when they were going to go back, you know, they got stopped. Hey, don't, don't, don't go back. You, you know, take this alternate route, don't go back. So when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem, and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Where, what are they talking about? You know, Herod asked, you know, when did the star? When did it show up? You know, how how long you've been traveling? <laughs> how long have you been on the way here? Well, we know based on his orders to kill the, every male two and under, is that it probably took the magi about two years to get there. Because it only took about 10 to 15 days to get from from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So, you know, it didn't take two years to go that way. So So we know that for at least two years they stayed in Bethlehem. Why didn't they go home? We don't know for sure. But I can tell you this, it probably had something to do with this disgrace thing. I imagine... I And this is pure speculation. Don't get me wrong. This this, this is just me now. This is just me now. Why would they have not gone home? Nobody would have bought that story that she was pregnant by God. Nobody would have believed that story. They would have assumed that that Joseph and Mary had sex before they were supposed to and that they broke the law and, and that they were sinners. Could that have been why they didn't go back? I would submit to you, there's probably a pretty good, that's probably a pretty good guess. Two years. They didn't go back. I imagine they were publicly disgraced where they were from. Where was the only place that Jesus couldn't do miracles at? Just to kind of back my point, maybe just a little more. So where he was from. Yeah, the whole town was like, well, wait a minute. Isn't that that Mary's son? (laughs) So I'm sure there was somebody thinking, well, isn't that the child born of sin? Somebody would have had to have been thinking that. Let me tell you what, people have a long memory about your mistakes or the ones they think you've made. They like to forget the good things you do. They like to forget the hard work you do. They like to forget all the... Wonderful things and hard work that you put into, but man, they remember the mistakes. Here's the beautiful thing about it. Mary and Joseph didn't even make a mistake, but I'm sure they thought they thought they did. So I'm sure somebody there was thinking, that's that, that's that Jesus that was, they weren't even supposed to hook up yet, but but she got pregnant. This is the kid that made my table. He and his daddy made my table. How could he be anything? So, do you think that sometimes when we follow God and we do God's plan the way he wants it done, that sometimes it's hard? And sometimes people are thinking that we are messing up, even if we're not, because sometimes God's plan isn't always popular with everyone else. It's just not. This whole thing, this whole virgin birth, it it couldn't have been popular. And the thing I don't get with, it was prophesied about. It shouldn't have been a surprise. The prophet Isaiah, one of the, most, one of the most revered prophets of all Israel's history, he said it was going to happen, but why couldn't they have believed it was Jesus? I don't know. I just don't know. So the message of Christmas, the message of Christmas, God is for you. God is with you. You have to trust in his plan, even when it doesn't make sense to you. I walk in many places that make no sense to me. It doesn't have to. I've got to trust God. God just doesn't expect that out of me. He expects that out of you when you're walking in places that make no sense, understand he's with you. And it's part of his plan. And sometimes he asks you to do hard things. Hard things. Following God, and I'll tell you what, if you grew up in an era where some evangelist told you to come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay, you were lied to. It's going to be okay in the sense that God's going to get you through. But it, there's no, Jesus never promised the rose garden. Jesus said, people are going to hate you because of me. He told, he told his disciples, you're going to follow me where I'm going. What's, what was he telling them? You're all going to die for my sake. Because of my name, you're all going to die. Sometimes God asks us to do hard things. But we need to trust The message of Christmas, he is with us. Trust in the plan, even in the hard times.